Hey guys, it's, it's Jay. Jay Braun. How's it going? So, um, we have a very special announcement. Let's, uh, let's roll some fanfare for this, please. Uh, congratulations to our own Tony Cerny. Perhaps you know him from the podcast or from uh, maybe some of his artwork. I think uh, if he sticks with it, he's going to be really good. Um, me and Ted and the rest of the gang here at Suggested Donation, that is me and Ted, uh, want to say to Tony, congratulations on your line of treckle brushes. That's right. Tony Cerny, our own Tony Cerny from Suggested Donation. He's one of the two co-hosts. He co-stars along with me. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to jump online right now from this very computer that I'm mixing this episode on. Oh, hey And I'm going to show you how easy it is to order a set of brushes from Treckle. Now, we're going to do it together. First timer here. Let's go. Come on. Don't be shy. Let's go. Come on. Come on. All right, now, for starters, you're going to want to spell it correctly. That is T-R-E-K-E-L-L. All right? Now, I did spell it wrong, but Google sent me right to a link anyway that has the correct spelling. It's T-R-E-K-E-L-L dot com. Okay, we're going to go right right there on the homepage at treckle.com. We're going to go right to brush sets. And we're going to scroll down. Uh, now, you can sign up for a newsletter if you want. In a moment, I'm just going to put that aside. Oh, my God, there it is. The Tony Cerny. Oh, ro- roll that fanfare again. Roll that fanfare again. Tony Cerny, limited edition brush set. Brush set. We're going to click on that. Wow. Look at this guy. What a big shot. Oh, man. You get a really nice set of brushes. You get a sticker featuring Tony's artwork. It's actually uh, a piece I'm quite familiar with. Um, If you don't like his signature on them, I'm sure you can take a piece of sandpaper and uh, scrape that off. Um, Or a, a straight razor would probably work, too. Um... Or maybe you could paint it out using one of the other brushes. Um, Add that to the cart. Free sample brush restorer with a $200 brush purchase. I'm going to add some more brushes to this. Let's see. A couple custom panels. Look at this, man. Listen, when you're done checking out, under notes, tell them Jay sent you, okay? Whether or not you get the Tony Cerny brush set, uh, you tell them Jay sent you in the notes, all right? And be sure to use our new promo code, SD20. SD20. And uh, enjoy the episode. SD20. Suggested donation.
so loved uh, just when you were walking in the gallery. You said sculpture is like ice cream for your hands. Yeah, I know, it really is. That's <laughs> so good, though. That's what it is. It's just like, ah, it's like you can, you're seeing all those flavors through your fingers. <laughs> can you hear yourself okay? Yeah, uh, yes, I can. Good. I can hear myself. Can you hear yeah, yourself? Yeah, I sound fantastic as usual. <laughs> you always sound, sound fantastic. We are rolling, so. Oh, we're rolling. All right, well, welcome to do. Suggested Donation. I'm Edward Minoff. I'm Tony Cernay. And we are joined today. We're very, very excited. We've been talking to you for quite a while about trying to find a time, and it's finally happening. <laughs> oh, my God! Score! We're here with Tony Ryder. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from, like, fresh from Santa Fe? Fresh from Santa Fe with a, about three weeks out on the east end of Long Island. That's right. Yeah. When I saw you, I saw you in, in March, and, and um, I think we met very briefly once a while back, but... Um, we never really talked because <laughs> I was I was a you know brand new student. And I just sort of kept my distance. But uh, um, so when I was in Santa Fe with my family, that was like the first thing that I wanted to do is come and visit you because I've been a fan of your work for a long time and and not only your book but just like you know I've heard so much about you for so so many years when when I started <laughs> dedicating my time to wanting to be a fine artist mm-hmm. and I took every workshop that I think you've ever taught in, in New York since you've been in Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, uh, Starting in, I think, 1996 at Jacob's, uh, uh, his house in Brooklyn, you taught one on the top Palimus floor. Palimus Place. Yeah, yeah. So you were there at the, the, the workshop in Palimus Place? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which was incredibly fun. I mean, there's so many great painters there. there. Well, that was a really great workshop. <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember that was just like an all-star team. It was and, yeah, like, I was in like, way over my yeah, who, was in that, wow. who was in that workshop? If you remember, there were a lot of people there. It was uh, um, um, Michael Grimaldi, Michael Jacob Grimaldi, Collins, Jacob, Juliet, um, Aristides, Aristides. Mm-hmm. and um, it's already a murderer's row. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible with names. Remember John Mora, Michael Glass. Uh, oh wow! I remember Jacques. Jacques was in it. Jacques too? was yeah. there. Yeah. God, I'm, I wasn't at that workshop, and I do remember not being able to because yeah, was, you were working. Chris was at, was was at, there. Oh, Chris, Chris was lazy. Yeah. I was working at Disney at the time, and I couldn't take off. And I would call Ted up, and he would <laughs> tell me like the dailies. I was like, "What'd you guys do I was today?" Like, oh my god, it was the best. I, was like, I did this, and I was just like, "Oh." <laughs> and I was telling Celeste I still have my drawing, which was horrible, but there's a beautiful drawing in the margin that you did. <laughs> Not done by you. Yeah. <laughs> by yeah. <Ted>. Wow. <laughs> the uh that was a wonderful experience. That was a wonderful and then were you at the uh the real Water Street location? Yeah. Yeah, it was at that and then at uh Jacob Studio on sixty ninth right, Street. Right, right, yeah. Right, right, right. How that did I miss the sixty? It's like I'm yeah, like yeah. following you yeah. you're like the grateful dad. I just <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a miracle? Can I get a miracle? Um, is that something you... Oh, man. You guys totally missed that Grateful Dead reference. Oh, my God. Is that something you were doing for a long time, is workshopping and teaching? Is that something... I... It kind of evolved. I started uh, uh, subbing for Ted. Ted Seth Jacobs. Yeah, Ted Seth Jacobs. This is so crazy, by the way. You know that you guys are Ted and Tony, and then, and then like <laughs> Ted is like, and 
Anyway, it's, just, it's like one of those. I like getting emails those. from you because you're like, hey, Tony, blah, 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 Tony. And I'm like, hey, Tony. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, Tony. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, uh, uh, I started um, subbing for um, Gary Fagan oh. uh, at the league. And he was, he was he was my first teacher at the league by about three hours, and then, <laughs> and then I had uh, Gustav Rayberger, and then I met Ted that evening. Oh, very um, expressive drawings, Rayberger. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really interesting, and then and then um, and uh, um, have had a great uh, professional relationship with uh, Gary. You know, all these years, and mm-hmm. uh, he asked me to. To take over one of his Saturday afternoon, uh, I think it was a figure or portrait drawing classes at the league. That was kind of where where I started. And were you still studying while you were? Yeah. And you were studying with yeah. Gary and also with Ted uh, Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Gary had moved down to the uh, or was teaching some at the um, the New York Academy at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, it uh, we started. I started at the league with Ted um, in January of '83. Um, and with Gary and uh, and Mr. Rayberger, and then um, uh, so Ted was teaching there at the league through that spring of '83 term, and then he went off to France for you know the summer, and then he came back and um, taught again. Uh, was he always going to France at the time? He had bought a house, yeah, and he was he still had his apartment up on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of teaching in here in the states for. He would teach for like up until about, you know, March, and then he'd find somebody to cover his class for April and May or March, April and May. That's that's kind of how it worked for yeah. me. Was at one point I took over. You know, I started to to sub for him uh, for to kind of finish out the year for his drawing class at the New York Academy because he, he he was teaching at the league for a while. Then he went down to the. New York Academy on um, oh, uh, by the public theater there mm-hmm. um, for a few years, and and uh, we went and studied with him there. Then he went back up to the league. We we kind of <laughs> followed him everywhere we yeah. could. You know, uh-huh. he started his school in in France in eighty seven, um, and um, and then in eighty, I think it would have probably been the fall of eighty seven that uh, Jacob Collins joined Ted's class so that's where we met oh yeah, yeah. Um, and you were the monitor at the time monitoring yeah right. and um, um, and then uh, we all you know a number of us went off to France uh, in 88 to study with Ted again and then in 89 and then um, then Ted moved over to France permanently I think in 1990 mm-hmm. and um Anyway, Celeste and I, we studied with uh, Ted for, from 83 to 89, you know, kind of patchwork Lee, yeah. you know, trying to just get in as much study time with him so as we could. What you, was it about him, like what he was teaching, that, that was so compelling? Hard to say, you know, it, it was like, an, on the one hand, it was just an expression of his mind, which was like a kind of a very powerful like light you know i mean he his his perceptual state was of a very high order and mm-hmm. also his um 
his painting facility was of a very high order too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt immediately uh, as if to me that I had just w- walked into the studio of a you know like an authentic like master, a, right? Like a great mm-hmm. one of the you know like a great painter, and um, I think it was his it was his. Um, Emphasis. The first lecture I attended of his, he was talking about the con- the kind of the continuity of the perceptual process, being that there's um, a subject, uh, an object, and then light that kind of bonds the you know the subject and the object together, so that there's really no there's no stopping off place between perceptual experience between the object perceived the the light that is the kind of the medium of perception and then the perceiving person and that somehow or other we were painting that ex- experience of vision rather than painting a thing we were expanding we were painting um, we were painting our own uh, perceptual process wow. and that seemed really really fascinating to me at the time and um, um, it was almost as if I think I'd been reading something that was dealing with this subject. Then when I went to the, that first lecture, that first evening that I uh, was at the League, because um, he was teaching a, like a 7 to 10 painting class at the League, and um, I just got a pass to sit in on the, on the lecture, or the demo, you know. Mm-hmm. And he started talking and painting, and I was like, wow, he's talking about the contents of the speculations of my mind right now like, and <laughs> painting the answers to all these questions That's amazing. and it was just it was like it was it was it was like kind of it felt meant to be you know yeah, yeah just like a life-changing it moment felt like that was the uh, it was just a, a a handout and so different i think from like i mean i've never uh, studied with with Ted, but I studied obviously with Jacob and and took as many workshops as I possibly could <laughs> with you. And I feel like I've been exposed to a lot of his ideas. And I, I think, you know, when I first started hearing, it, there were ideas that I hadn't heard expressed anywhere else by anyone else. And I think that he 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 had a I don't know a, a way of looking at this you know drawing and and painting that was just it's it's different and it's a little bit more uh informed by like a deep analysis of you know what your you know the subject object and and the light source like really getting into to some degree maybe the science behind like our perception and Maybe I'm totally missing. <laughs> no, I think that he, he's a, he was very, very uh, analytical and um, and uh, uh, objective in his um, uh, examination of optical experience. Um, he also and he this was something that just dawned on me over like a lot of what he was teaching us was. It's like standing out in a thunder in a rainstorm, you know, and you, like he was putting out an incredible amount of information, and a few drops of it fell on me, you know. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, uh, um, and so over the years, you know, absorbing what he was teaching and practicing it, it 
it started to become more apparent what he was teaching us and it's continuing to be that way you know up to the present time like it's like I'm kind of unpacking or unfolding all of the stuff that he that he taught us um, another thing about his uh, uh, approach that really really s I loved the fact that his his drawing is I you know I would say that you know one way of looking at drawing would could be that uh, you know from there's a kind of a um, maybe a kind of a spectrum of drawing from the more painterly a kind of a, a like a more kind of almost like Venetian approach to drawing like yeah. kind of late Titian approach to drawing and there's something that's more like a, on the other end like a little bit like uh, more Leonardesque you know mm -hmm. um, like a very clean and very very uh, precise but not in the not clinical uh, like full of life and I, so I think of there being a kind of a Florentine Venetian kind of uh, spectrum withdrawing to mm -hmm. some degree and Ted I think he was more Florentine you know more like had a very fine sense of line and a very beautiful sense of shape and contour and um, like super refined uh, um, quality in that aspect of his work and then his sense of color was was just as fr kind of like as fresh as the, <laughs> you know like a bowl of strawberries I and mean, it's just so so juicy and and like like a like a beautiful day you know yeah it was his color sense his light sense and so combining those two things it, you know was uh, it seems, as I've been trying to do it all these years, is kind of like trying to get the two sides of my brain to talk to one another yeah. because they're so different, they're so, they're so complementary, and at the same time, like um, very different functions of the brain. I think. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really, really impressed with that, how evenly balanced his work was, and then because of i think because of the kind of his optical sense his optical sense is like very broadly distributed over the visual field so that he hit the in the poster his sense of poster would be like the whole light environment not um biasing any pixel you know just very very even in terms of um like the objectivity of uh, his uh, judgment of hue value and chromatic intensity and mm -hmm. how much light is on something also, his sense of light direction and the, the kind of the action and distribution of light. And then there was his sense of form, which, which um, I, I think is just... Uh, um, that, too, was a... Um, one of the th one of the, gradually, I began to be aware that there even was such a thing as sense of form. Mm -hmm. And then that there were certain people who like exemplified it to the highest degree, like Michelangelo and Leonardo, and, yeah. um, and that he was teaching us on that level, and that he was he was uh, an ambassador to us from <laughs> like to the past, like from, he was connecting us. He was like you know making us time travel. Like he was basically time traveling. He us. was like the light that you were describing, subject, object, and light. Kind right. Of. Yeah. Like I, th I kind of thought of him as a kind of an an, an embodiment of the history of painting, or a, a kind of an avatar of the history of painting. You know. Yeah. 
I know we we unfortunately lost him very recently, and I know that when we, like I heard the news, I was just like, even though I've never met him, it was like, oh, I feel like I lost this, you know, somebody because I even though we never met, what he taught you and and how it eventually, you know, peppered me at some point, I felt like like that was something that was like, you know, like we lost one of us you know type type of stuff what was his history because i didn't know a lot about his past or anything and you know knowing that you know that was one of the things that i knew that you you were out in france for a while studying with him and uh and um and you know that was kind of the thing you went to france to study with like well we we when when uh, when we when when um, when we were studying with ted um like a, it's as if the history of painting was in the room with us, Ugh. in his person, and so he was, and we were just like guppies, <laughs> <laughs> like like swimming around in a little in a little puddle, you know, and uh, and and uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, so there was this sense that okay, guppy today, you know, it's going to take me a while to get all of this stuff. Uh, downloaded so it's going to take some time so we we tried to download his mind as much as we possibly could and be like put ourselves in the way of like a collision course with him when he was teaching so that he would (laughs) (laughs) as much as possible (laughs) which did kind of like you did feel like you had just been uh Encountered yeah. by a, a pretty heavy-duty, like uh, blast of information. Where did he get this? Where did he get the so information? So he he studied he studied at the league in the late forties. Um, he was he was a monitor for um, Riley. Was he Riley? Frank Riley. Frank, Frank Riley. Riley yeah. yeah. He also studied with. Um, Dumond, oh, yeah. that's uh, right. Frank Vincent Dumond, that's right. Um, and he and he mentioned a few other teachers uh, that were important um, uh, influences to him too there at the league. And I really hardly remember anything he told us about any of his teachers. Mr. Dumond, I remember him referring to Mr. Dumond as being like a very elegant person, and as if you, as if you know that he felt like he was, he was. He was kind of receiving, like, of the nobility, like when he was being taught by, you know, those teachers that, that like, pre-revolutionary Europe, uh, the, the kind yeah. of the, the people from then were still in these teachers that he was encountering, and they were bringing this incredible tradition in, you know, which mostly had, he kind of expressed it almost as a kind of a nobility, like a nobility of spirit. Not not like hereditary, like yeah. okay, yeah. you know, fifth earl of, of uh, oil painting, but, uh, uh, but uh, you know, but more like natural nobility, you know, and and um, and Ted had that too, and I think that he saw that in nature, like his his sense of the natural, um, of light and of of uh, of nature and life was, you know, it was uh, very. I think it was kind of worshipful, you know. I think he he had a, the highest regard and respect for the um, the natural, like 
what we encounter when we're painting. So that was definitely conveyed uh, by him. So I, I think that he got, he, I think he absorbed like a, a powerful hit of, uh, of um, that late 40s instruction that was available at the Art Students League during that time. Then he said that he, you know, he was working with Frank Riley who was training a lot of illustrators, illustrators and who yeah. had a kind of routine for doing things so that people could like put like a together. a system. A system, yeah. right. I used to try to really dig into, because I heard about Riley and I would dig in a lot about yeah. like technique and the system. Yeah. So. One of his phrases that came, just was everywhere all the time with us was that the light cuts across the form, you know, mm -hmm. so that the, whichever way the form is going, the light is cutting across it in a, in a different angle. So you have this, you have this um, kind of interaction, directional uh, um, interaction between uh, light and form. And um, he, him, he himself kind of like cut across the form of what was going on at the time, I think. In other words, he saw a whole herd of like minds going this way and he decided to go that way. Hmm. So he, he, he tried to kind of like abreact or kind of un kind of unteach himself a bunch of systematic things that he felt were not really compatible with the way nature is. And then he tried to retrain himself around what he observed in nature, you know, in the human form, um, and uh, studied, spent a lot of time studying master drawings and, and, uh, and kind of rebuilt his his like desktop from the like the ground up, you know, so to speak, on the basis of of his own like really intensive uh, um, uh, examination of um, a visual experience. He also spent quite a bit of time, or he he met, encountered, and became like very much associated with the. Uh, Kind of Tibetan refugees who came over from well from Tibet in mm -hmm. the 50s. Um, I don't know how much that would have influenced his approach, but I think it did really fundamentally influence his approach to painting. So that what we were getting was like a almost like a Buddhist yeah. way of looking at you know creating beauty or creating art or something i think it had to do with a sense of the phenomenal like like what is the kind of the datum of actual experience and and not in interposing any kind of thought construct that would be um that would be a convenient way of explaining things but which wasn't really what was what things were and so he he i think he felt that it, almost like his job was to cut through all conventional thought and so that whole idea of like the light cutting across the form was like a um, was like a theme for him, of um, really getting to the root of the phenomenon, and um, so there's the the just the the sensitivity to light and uh, its actual distribution on forms, and then there's the the kind of formal structure um, and. Uh, I had no idea what what he meant by that, even while I was studying with him, and it's. But he gave us he gave us like seeds of this inf of this understanding in the way he taught us about the block in like um, 
the kind of the dynamic shapes of the block in non-parallelism um, the fact that uh, a line can be going in any direction it's you know it's not a kind of a it's not a rectilinear system you know it's it's a it's like there's 360 degrees in the compass it's you know uh, north, south, east, and west are just four out of 360. Yeah. So there's a lot of diagonals in nature, or a lot of other angles than up and down and left and right. And um, so his his approach to seeing was very uh, the, to the directionality of any shape uh, or any movement was very free in space. It wasn't it wasn't kind of boxed into a like a like a um, uh, kind of a rectilinear he was, Cartesian. It, it sounds like he world. was thinking virtually, like he was almost thinking in his head a three-dimensional system to 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 even uh, um, uh, explain what he's seeing. Like he's seeing it three-dimensionally in his head as well. Yeah, for sure. He like he basically said, "You can't paint what you see if you don't understand the structure of what you're seeing. Like you, you can't just do it by copying pixels by by just like." Downloading pixels of of the visual field, you you can't really get a, like a living structure and living form. You have to understand form and structure, and um, and so that was like the that was also a very important message. And um, I remember even after studying with him for six years, feeling like I, I was clueless as to what that really meant, and um, I kind of despaired of ever learning it when we. You know, we kind of moved on, and we couldn't really be studying with them anymore. We had to just go and have, you know, build a life of our own and things like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it turned out that he, the seeds, it was like he, the the kind of the DNA of his of his uh, vision, he had conveyed to us, um, and then the practice. Just the practice, according to as much as possible, according to the kind of the principles the way he taught us, that's what like caused this uh, or causes this understanding to grow more and more, so that it begins to become more apparent what he meant by these kind of terms of structure and light and form and things like that. And so it's like a, a kind of an emergence of understanding through practice, uh, according to the um, just. Looking for the things that he taught us to look for, mm. uh, looking for the internal curve, you know, looking for the non-parallelism of things, looking for the convexity of the forms, looking for the way they kind of interdigitate and the way they kind of flow into one another, looking for pathways of form, looking for the cut of the, the cut of the light, like, <laughs> looking for all of these. Uh, Can you, as an example, could you like the internal curve? Um, you know, for people listening, I know people are like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Can you even explain? And first and foremost, they should uh, get your book and your read book. that. But yeah. Well, they should actually get Ted's books and read them. And and, uh, and, um, and then get your book. And then book. get the Artist's <laughs> Complete Guide right, to Figure right. Drawing my by Tony book is kind, Anthony My Ryder. book is kind of like um, a Reader's Digest kind of version of what he was. It was, it was basically a, a, a presentation at the at the place that I was when I did it. Of what I felt like was critical of in his teaching that I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to kind of roll on and and convey to people and and uh, perpetuate, you know. Internal curve is. Um, 
as one example of many things, but yeah. I just thought it would be kind of yeah, you know, interesting. The, if we think of the block in as being a kind of, um, um, you know, a set of shapes that, like, like say, a figure drawing, you know, will have like a, a some kind of torso uh, modulating into shoulder, modulating into upper arm, uh, elbow, forearm, wrist, hand, fingers, you know. So there's a kind of a a modulation of the shape as you as you run out from the core toward the extremities, and th as that shape modulates from its l larger origin, like say the shoulder, you know, let's say it's got you know it's kind of attached in a big way to the to the torso, but then you know it, it narrows, it narrows, it narrows all the way down to the fingers. So you have this, uh, you have a, a kind of a stream of shape and form that eventuates in the tips of the fingers, and that stream of shape is uh, like th the um, it's it's kind of guiding trajectory is what we call the internal curve mm. so it's the the internal curve is the it's the kind of the pathway that that forms take in the body you know um, the legs the even the, the well, obviously the torso you, you can think of it in somewhat in in um, anatomical terms the, you know, the, it's pretty simple to think of the spinal column. Uh, we know that it's not straight, of course, and that um, and that it, it torques and twists and bends, and and the the uh, uh, you know the 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 skull, the rib cage, the pelvis are all they're kind of linked by this kind of slinky-like um, kind of spring-loaded uh, set of like. Um, vertebrae right and uh, and so the torso would never be defined by a straight line in its internal organization and in, in like like if if the if the head and the the thorax and the and the uh, pelvis were on a perfectly straight line it would be a little bit like somebody's been strapped to a board you know like let's say you know they bump themselves a little bit and somebody comes along and says, we need to like stabilize oh, you right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to strap you to this board here. We're going to take you and make sure that you're all nice and straight and everything. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that would be a kind of an, a non-moving kind of uh, distribution of the, the basic forms of the, of the axial skeleton, right? Head, uh, rib cage, um, pelvis. What we actually observe in the body is that all three of those main forms are are kind of like gyroscopically rotating each one of them, and they're connected by the this kind of flexible connection of the spinal column. So what you have is a is a kind of a a fluid curve that connects those parts. So that fluid curve, it basically bifurcates into the legs, and and it's. All of these curves are, are typified by a kind of sine wave, like um, uh, like a kind of a movement. Just like if, if you're drawing a leg, you'll, you'll notice that the you know thigh curve out this way, the calf mm -hmm. will curve the other direction. So there's a there's a kind of a like a flow to the curve through anything, any part of the body. So no part of the body is straight and no part of the body meets any other part of the body at just like a, a sharp angle, so to mm. speak. Like the wrist is not, the wrist flows out of the forearm to some degree. It has to, you know, because of the, for one thing, I mean, just there's a, 
all of the tendons, the, um, the blood vessels, the, the kind of the, the nerves are all flexible. Yeah. It's kind of like um, uh, they're all flowing through and around the joint. And, and uh, I was thinking about this just the other day, that our, um, our muscles attach a lot of them into the connective tissue as well as to the bones so that when we lift our hand, you know, uh, the shoulder muscle is kind of pulling up, not just on the bones to make us move, but it's pulling on this kind of whole suit of connective tissue so that we're... Almost like all the way to your fingers. All the way to your fingers, yeah. Fingertips. Yeah. yeah. So the whole body is like a kind of a tendon suit. Um, that like a web. Yeah, it's like a web. Yeah, yeah. It's like those those uh, those things that you put your fingers in, you can't get them out of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually very similar to the way we're put together because our muscles, like our muscles, they they stabilize all the the the, the, the skeletal structure, right? But we're basically kind of like. First of all, we're kind of like walking water balloons. Yeah. <laughs> we have a kind of an endoskeleton that is like a structuring of the the rest of us, which is probably eighty percent water, and and so, um, and and what what holds us all together is this kind of connective tissue envelope, and it's it's fluid. It has a kind of a fluid dynamism to all of the shapes. That's pretty much what the uh, <laughs> <laughs> internal curve is. Internal curve. One of the many examples of lots of yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, and it's it's all in through all of our forms. Uh, yeah, um, it's interesting in the portrait because, you know, when we think of the internal curve like running out your arm, then it's a very linear thing. It starts at the shoulder, let's say, and goes all the way up to your fingertips. But what about the internal curve like coming up through your neck and into your face? It's a little bit like broccoli. It's like, it's like, or like, there's like, there are all kinds of movements coming up this way, but they're all going like this way, and you have all these orbital patterns yeah. like around like the. Um, the whole structure so that we can start to think of the form of the body in a very like a very deeply organized kind of web work pattern with uh, kind of transected by movement curves in every well not in every direction but in all kinds of directions I think I remember seeing some diagrams that Frank Riley drew that I think had at least some of the indications of these flowing lines that would go that I wouldn't normally connect, mm -hmm. but it would be like from like the shoulder all the way up to the like the nostril, and mm -hmm. I was like, what? What? And in the way it kind of flowed through this thing and sort mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. ended up mm -hmm. at the nostril. Yeah, and those are almost like it's almost like in a conversation where where you just go off on a tangent and you find yourself at the nostril. Like we started talking about the shoulder and then we ended up at the nostril. I'm like, how did I get here? And it's like, oh, I was really meaning to talk about the other shoulder, but I kind of, I, I started following this path and then it just Super led low. me someplace. Well, imagine like the body is almost kind of like a, a park with all these different paths and you can just wander and and uh, so you could start sh drawing at the shoulder and end up end at, up the, at the earlobe. And it's not like it's wrong to do that. Um, it's to some degree, if we're kind of weaving, like the body is almost like a very complex um, braid of form, you know. And, uh, you know, like if you're weaving hair, you take this one and then you put that one over and then you put yeah. that one over like that. So there's a, there's a, um, 
you're following this path for a while, but then you have to follow that path for a while. Then you have to kind of bring this one across. And then, and so it gets pretty complicated, of course. And, and the ability to keep all of that organized, to not get bogged down in just like millions of, of um, you know, like following little paths off into little dead ends someplace, yeah. <laughs> um, takes, that takes a lot of mental discipline, I think. And, and, uh, a lo- and um, strength of attention to keep the whole thing in in view and you know especially in painting when we're also incorporating you know paint and color and yeah. and uh, and a, a much deeper process than drawing you know and the idea of just spending a long time in front of the the live model so you can see and observe and study it is something that you know I know you do but is that something that you were you know when you were th- studying that you were just like I'm just going this is what I want to do is just be in front of the hu- live human figure you know I thought and figure I was, out these things yeah I thought I was just doing that to get to a place where I could become a painter yeah and then I started teaching it and then fast forward 30 years and I'm still doing it <laughs> <laughs> and what I've discovered is that I really actually it is a wonderful activity it's almost like being like a research scientist and and drawing and painting is just like um, uh, an opportunity to to uh, to return to that study each time we do it and to kind of keep exploring and trying to enlarge our scope of understanding um, and uh, so every time you know, we work from life. We're we're giving ourselves that opportunity to cultivate that experience and um, and and to go and to push forward in that in that uh, learning process. Is that do, do your paintings to you feel like almost just like explorations? Like that's yeah yeah they're 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 uh, paintings are kind of like baseball games. And uh, <laughs> uh, I've always loved your metaphors <laughs> when you teach so, workshops. So, first of all, history. it's always good to be playing, you know, uh, <laughs> even, even if you don't always get on base, right? I mean, you'd much rather be, you know, you'd much rather be doing it than not. But it's not always the case that you hit a home run, right? But uh, but paint uh, like but if if painting is going forward, all the painters in the world who are painting today are just like on the the front of the wave of painting that is progressing in time and everyone is ultimately finding discovering what painting is defining what painting is um, searching for what painting is and of course we have these like great exemplars the you know the great great painters and and uh, and um, and and so yeah I, I feel like in my own little garden variety way that I'm, you know, doing the same thing and trying to discover what painting is. Right. Yeah. yeah. And using this, like, set of ideas that I inherited and as my, as my uh, kind of research tools, like the, the, the means of, of, uh, of opening up that, what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, that, like, the set of ideas that you're your artwork is 
kind of evolves out of is really this set of ideas of how to interact with nature, how to like understand nature, the, I or think ways to think about it. Ted used to say that the that the human body was had a certain style, that nature was the highest style. You know, you hear about, what, what style of painting do you paint in? You know, oh, I'm like an <laughs> so optical, hard to answer. <laughs> optical realist, I'm a representational painter, I'm um, this, that, and the other thing, you know. I have a number of isms, you know, and um, <laughs> like that, that's the kind of painter I am. Those are all, like, basically, ultimately, they're all kind of constructs and kind of styles, so to speak. But what Ted said was that the style of nature was like the highest style. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, you look at a maple leaf and you're just like, man, this is ridiculously yeah. sublimely perfect and beautiful, <laughs> you know. And um, uh, so the the tools for the the adop- adoption of that style were what we got from Ted I'm sure it's not like the definitive tool set for studying nature I'm mm-hmm. sure there are many there are many kind of cross sections of nature and every teacher is basically teaching a kind of a that you know their their like cross-section of what that is um, and um, it's it's bigger than any one teacher or any one approach um, in in Ted's case some of the important things were um, kind of the non-mechanical or non-mechanistic uh, non-artificial um, uh, quality to nature mm-hmm. that it's that it's um, it's kind of supple and alive and living and and uh, yeah, I was thinking about Rembrandt the other day. You know, I was thinking um, like, like um, you know, like it. When you look at a Rembrandt, the sometimes the skin tones are so alive. It's it's almost like the person's in the room with you, and you and and you can you can practically feel the warmth coming from their body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's just something so so palpable and alive about them, and um, so the, there's a it's it's not it's not mm, flat. Nothing is flat, of course, and uh, everything is organic in its in its structure. And so when we start looking at organic structure, you know, just pick up a pick up a. National Geographic and just start looking at pictures of uh, animals, uh, clouds, waves on, on the beach. Uh, any any natural phenomenon is is like a, um, an expression of energy that is is kind of reverberating through those forms. You know, like the way waves coming to a beach are kind of like they're it's like a um, it's like sound or like uh, light waves. You know, there's a there's a kind of a a pulsing, um, vibrating um, uh, kind of out ex- outward expression of energy. Um, that's happening in all the forms of the body. So the forms of the body are are like not they're they are solid or at least uh, have a kind of a physicality, but they're also 
almost like music they're they're like they're like pure vibration and and uh um energy expression and so and so the you know the getting back to like say the block in which is very very structural and very like there's this point here and that point there and there's a line between them and then there's we go down here we get a third point and then that's like that and that's like that that seems like a long way away from like a living person but we need i think we need the grammar we need the kind of the the operating system which is what the blocking is for me and then we need to run the internal curve program (laughs) in that operating system in order to kind of get the operating system to not be too clunky and too too angular basically and too so in a way when i know when i first learned the block in um which was kind of new to me uh it was new to me even though i may might have done like an abbreviated version of it in college and everything but they're they wouldn't talk about blockins or any of that it's very weird that most art (laughs) schools wouldn't know anything about what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> but, so, it, it was this um, way to um, lay in something that will eventually be alive Yeah. in a visual sort of way, just as, like on the page. Yeah. And, and like it the made... The foundation s- of a building. And it made mm-hmm. sense. It, it, it's great to hear how you're how you're like that will eventually translate to something that is like has breath and living and that you know everything everything every form participates in space and has its spatial definition and its spatial configuration every form um the block in is is a means of describing any kind of form in space simply you know because we say well that part of the form over there is over there and this part of the form is over here and they're that far apart and they're oriented with with regard to one another in this directionality and in this direction or tilt so the blocking is a is a is a spatial um it's it's like it's like the beginning of coming out of like a white piece of paper is just a void it, it's not the creation hasn't happened there yet the big bang hasn't happened there yet <laughs> there, there we kind of wonder like what was before the big bang <laughs> all we have to look at is a white piece, piece of, of paper because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't we haven't the, the inception of that world hasn't arrived yet right and then we start structuring that space with in our method, we do it with the block in. We do it with the, we're kind of like saying, okay, well, this is here and that's there and this here and that's there and we're starting to build space. And I was fascinated and we had a quick conversation about this earlier about the un- the envelope, right, which, which I learned from when I've, I maybe heard about it, but when your book came out and I was just like, oh, there's even a simpler, more abstract way to before the block in. And that that was kind of a revelation to me to be like you can kind of like very abstractly limit the space that your your eventual figure is going to be in or whatever. Right. Well, the the envelope is like the if you start with your white piece of paper. Yeah. The void. 
and before the Big Bang. <laughs> Prior and then, Big Bang. And then you put in a point um, top of that. You put in another point, like uh, underside of the chin. Well, you've really basically defined the proportions of, of everything that is going to go into that drawing just with those two points that's the big bang right there like it's all it's all implied after that everything is relational um in that space as Mm -hmm. soon as you put two points in you've created space you've 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 instituted a spatial concept and 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 then every time you put another point in you're 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 building and defining and organizing that space and and relating things to one another and you're relating across from point to point, point to point, point to point, like that, and and, uh, um, and of course, it, it, introducing a certain amount of error, which makes <laughs> makes your particular universe kind of an interesting one to to be in. Um, the uh, um, well, that didn't the, work. There's the there's the big bang, and then there's the big mistake, <laughs> and then there's the whole rest of the history of that universe where we're trying to the big uh, fix. Big <laughs> right. so, digging yourself out of a hole. So, but the the envelope is the to my mind, it's the simplest, the first. It's almost like um, the 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 beginning. Uh, opening move of a chess game um, and it basically says okay we're, we're working in this method now and we're going to use a few points and we're going to use those to to, um, to more or less uh, get a, a kind of a footprint on the page of the 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 general shape of the figure and then and we're, we're looking from point to point we're, we're visually measuring um, length and tilt and then we begin to break the envelope down and to elaborate the the block in, which is really basically just a kind of a subdivision of the of the envelope, of the kind envelope. of practically ad infinitum until f- forms and shapes get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And, but they all have this same characteristic. It's, it's like a, it's like DNA again. It's like a DNA starts just in one cell, but then it you know it it replicates, replicates, replicates. It goes into every cell, all the same DNA. So the the envelope is kind of like this first uh, um, spatial uh, um, uh, kind of a setting up of, an, of the idea of the drawing by relating one thing to another. And then after that, everything is related to everything else. Yeah. And that's really actually very much like life because in the human body, of course, the feedback loop between every cell and all the other cells is constant and everything is related to everything in the human body, right, or in nature. So another wonderful thing about the block in and the envelope is that they start, the, the principle is c- kind of the connectedness or the relatedness of things. You know, how far is this from that? And, and where are they? How are they kind of orbiting one another in space? Like, what's their relationship? And, and so the envelope creates a space or begins the, this process of the kind of the elaboration of a space in which everything is related to everything else. And to the degree that we can, um, and so we're kind of creating a system of relationships in a drawing, and that systemic uh, organization is a lot like the human body, which of course is a sy- systemic uh, thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's a massively complex uh, interrelated unity. 
integrated, highly integrated. And and uh, by studying the blockchain, we learn kind of like from like kindergarten how to just use our mind to relate one thing to another and then one thing to two things and then those two things to other things and we we build complexity it's like, a, it's like an exponential relationship pr building process yes <laughs> right so the now the the thing about the envelope is that and the blocking is that they have this kind of point to point uh, scanning aspect and they mostly they're they're just saying um, they're they're creating something that is a little bit like a constellation of points that have like lines connecting them like as if you looked at a map of the constellations in the sky and and you saw you know like a the Big Dipper or something and there's the the various stars and there's the little lines that connect the stars mm -hmm. and say oh yeah I see it's a, it's the Big Dipper that is a component in the in our visual experience of the model but it's it's not the whole thing mm. the introduction of the internal curve um, begins to create um, movement through that organized shape so that um, for shapes are flowing into shapes and out of shapes and and um, into other ones and and connecting along a kind of curvilinear paths um, we also introduce the fullness of the form, so we have a convexity in the contour. Um, then we come inside and, and we start to map out the interior of the drawing, and we can use our, and our, our kind of curvilinear um, vision to, to find things that are not just straight line related to something else, but are more like to be found on a kind of like a ski track from you know it's like somebody skiing down a mountain you know and and uh um you so almost like you can feel when you're on the mountain skiing down you can feel all the little micro bumps and the little bumps and how they define the whole overall whole right and uh, there's this kind feel. of big flow to the thing and and uh, um and a kind of a consequential nature meaning that from the 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 um, this is resulting from something previous. So you, I'm I'm working on this, and then I'm I'm kind of flowing into that, and then that's going into this, and then and so on and so forth. So there's a kind of a a flow that's introduced into the drawing process itself, which is different from the just the almost like the neuromuscular quality that is in the the envelope and the block in which are more like I'm going from this point to that point and then I'm stopping hmm. and then I'm going from that point there where now I'm going to that one up there and then I'm stopping and then I'm going from that one whereas in the in the um, the introduction of the curve we're, we're we're flowing through points to other points along the way and and then like theoretically the line could keep going yeah, and, and you kind of feel it. You can, like sometimes you'll draw you'll draw a line, and and it's uh, like say in the contour, and you have um, you have a sense that this line is coming from someplace that's almost like outside the figure, and it's like it's like a plane that's like a like circling a field, and then it kind of touches down on the runway for a while, and then it takes off again. Back up. Yeah. yeah so for the stretch of time that it was on the runway, it kind of left a little bit in the drawing, and then it kind of goes away. <laughs> but it, it has, it's like a it's like a tennis swing. It has a kind of a wind up, and then it it connects for a moment, and then there's a 
you know, follow through. So a lot of, like when we're drawing, when we're drawing and we're not just blocking in anymore, our lines are gonna have that quality. They're, we're, we're gonna like, gonna flow them into the drawing to some degree. They have a kind of a, they have a gestural intent that informs them so that there's a sense, the movement of the pencil is, is, has a feeling connection with the movement in the, in the model. You know, so that we're not we're not just we're not just uh, like uh, um, recording uh, the kind of the the block-in data. This point is here, and that one is over there. It's more like um, okay, this form is coming around like this, going this way, and it's disappearing around that one there, and then this one's coming out, and it's going like that, and it's boom, boom, boom down the down, 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 <laughs> fall, just fell down the stairs. And now it's going to look this way, it's climbing back up, and and it's it's you know there's like this sense of. Um, your your drawing process in that we're looking at the um, the kind of the flowing aspect of the internal curve absorbs that uh, energy into itself as a drawing process so that you're drawing the 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 way you move the pencil reflects the movement that you see in the in the model so you're you're kind of downloading a feeling of of the kind of the the the, the kind of the the generating energy of the model into your drawing itself. Do you ever feel like it's almost a conductor? Yes, yes. In yeah. front of a like an orchestra, almost like that flow of you know. It seems like the um, if the internal mo movement, the hidden the hidden curve, it's also called the kind of internal curve, hidden curve. If it's if it's a kind of an energy, like. Um, uh, it's a little bit. I th I think it's like the Western meaning, kind of Occidental, um, a kind of European uh, equivalent of the concept of chi or prana in in um, in the kind of Eastern martial arts and uh, uh, yoga and things like that. A kind of a life energy that. Um, you know the force you know kind yeah. of like uh, <laughs> and uh, um, that it's a uh, um, it, it's something that in the process of drawing if we settle into the appreciation of it through the work of drawing and we kind of connect with it at some point it's a little bit like we're kind of riding it like as if we were in a you know, like a, an inflatable boat on a river, you know, or just kind of, it lifts us up, it, it takes us down, we're going around the bend this way, we're kind of going up over that part there. And, and so there's a, there's a sense that you're uh, kind of transported by the, um, the kind of the energy of the movement. Yeah. But there's also the uh, sense that you're, that you're, um, because you're the, you know, you're you're creating the drawing yourself. That it's kind of coming through you. It's really like as if it, you could almost feel it running running down your arm and out your pencil and into the drawing. So it's like kind of like an electricity that uh, a current. Well, like let's say, let's say somebody's goes to a um, goes to a, a place where people are dancing and they have those uh, noise canceling. Um, earphones on and they see everybody moving and they they think they're all moving together they're all moving in in kind of rhythmical unison what's making them all move together like that <laughs> and 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 then you take your you would you would hear the flow without you would 
hear the music without seeing the, I mean, without hearing the music. Yeah, you'd, you'd like see, see the music, the music without. without hearing it. But if you're hearing it, then your foot starts tapping. And then you start to rock a little bit. <laughs> and the next thing you're getting up and you're moving with it. And it's not like the music possesses you. Right. It, but there's the, it, it informs your movement, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, it's, it's, it's outside of you. Um, but it's something that comes into you, mm-hmm. and then that that uh, that kind of inspires your response to mm-hmm. it. So I think that the the kind of the life force in nature and in the model, um, in in hair, in um, in beards, in in uh, <laughs> in shirts, in anything natural, and um, uh, is is something that we can tap into the way a person can. Kind of basically kind of tap into a really nice music and then then they start tap dancing you know because they're they're connected with it right mm-hmm. so so I think that the the I think that this is just basic knowledge in the history of painting and drawing and sculpting you know in the West and for that matter even in um, you know kind of internationally in the world I read this one book or just the introduction to a book called the, I think it's called the Mustard Seed Garden Manual of Painting. It's an old Chinese painting manual from like the centuries ago. I just opened it up in a bookstore one time and if I remember correctly, the very first thing it said was there's three kind of paintings. There's paintings that are like so loaded with chi that they're just like pure energy. Then there's paintings that are like, they got some chi and they've got some movement in there, like they're alive. There's paintings that just don't have, like, there's no chi. There's no energy in it. So that, that's like the three kinds of paintings. <laughs> <laughs> All chi, kind of chi, no chi. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, uh, and uh, so that got me to thinking about, well, what is, in that tradition, that was apparently like a known or at least a recognized concept, something that, that people would say, yep, that's right, um, uh, and agree with one another about what that, what that meant. Mm-hmm. So what I think that that means is, is a kind of a transmission of a, of, of a kind of a movement energy into everything we do with the pencil or the paintbrush. So I also think that Rembrandt, like who's, who's almost nothing recorded of one of things that he said. It's so weird because he said so much to so many people, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, one of the things he said was that his subject was the greatest possible movement, or something along those lines. That, that what he was really trying to convey was the like the 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 greatest quality of movement. Mm-hmm. Which you know, when you look at his portraits, that guy's just standing there, you know, kind of a nice like Dutch burger in a big black coat. He's not like, he's not a, you know, flying through the air. Right. So where's all the movement? I think it's in the shapes and it's in the forms. And then when you start to really get into like, like the modeling of, of what's going on, you realize it's just, it's like, it's, it's like pure movement and yeah. energy and light and form. Um, so I think that, we could take that right up to Van Gogh. Like, if you look at some of Van Gogh's ink drawings, you know, like these drawings he did of, of like, cypress trees and stuff like that, they're just, like, 
the atoms and the molecules are vibrating so much it's like incredible that he got them onto the paper mm-hmm. you know they were like he had to like grab these things and really make them stick on the paper because they were just like bouncing around so much like like practically boiling off you mm-hmm. know they were so energetic right so i think he was working in the same tradition as you know the like michelangelo basically mm-hmm. like he was channeling that energy into a kind of a post-impressionistic um uh, style, mm-hmm. but what he was really tapping into was the same thing, again. High chi painting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, it's like a it's like a a very connected, very highly energetic, um, like very felt experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with uh, um, uh, I don't know. I I saw this. Uh, I saw this. Uh, video clip of a person singing one time and uh, she was singing a song by Burt Backrack and uh, and he was there in the studio and he and he was having her do it over and over and over again he's like no you're not getting it and it's like she, she was practically in tears and when she finally belted it out it was just like she put her whole heart into it and it was just like it was so breathtakingly beautiful because she was like pouring everything into it so I think that you know, with us, with painting, we can do that, and we can really pour a lot of energy into our work, mm-hmm. and it can that that this this idea of movement uh, um, is a big, big part of that. How? It's such an inspiring like, idea. How? How do you think if you were gonna if somebody came up to you and asked you that, like, how do I put energy? How do I put movement into my painting and my drawing? Like, what's the advice you would give them? Um, well, we would have to kind of agree to take a look at the block in for a while first, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and get our our like like structure our our world around shapes that are um, that we're constructing in a certain way, and then we'd have to make sure that those shapes are not that they that through those shapes is conducted in a continuously changing, curving um, kind of. Uh, like line of trajectory so the first thing we have to learn how to do is not introduce kind of straight axes into the body so the 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 the, the, you know the body there's nothing flat on the body and there's nothing straight in or on the body it's all curving surface for one thing and um and the the sequence of forms you know so again like uh hip uh uh, upper leg, knee, lower leg, ankle, foot, that those, those forms are, um, are kind of flowing in a, in a, uh, in a kind of a fluid manner from, from the core out to the extremity. And, and we have to learn how to see that. We have to, so, so in figure drawing, one of the, once we've introduced the envelope and the block in, then there's a long process of like, of un of thawing of kind of like of of like getting the uh, uh, the ice ice like the frozen state of the 
student's mind to kind of begin to break up like the rivers in Russia in the spring, when the, all that ice starts to break up and the rivers start to flow again. Like the, basically, the block-in is a kind of can be a very frozen, a very yeah. stiff, and a very uh, unmoving thing. So teachers, it's the job of the teacher to, to say, well, it's a good one, good one, you know, you kind of up, you look at the drawing, you're like, it's a good one. And he's like, can I do a little drawing too? And he's like, oh, sure, you know. And so you do a still little bit of drawing, like, oh, this goes this way and that goes that way, this goes this way, that goes that way, and we're like, let's take a look at the two now here and see, and it's like, Notice that I like. Notice that. mine's better than yours. <laughs> Notice that there's like a the way this goes into that, and it it's not just meeting it like an like a a hard intersection. You know, we're going on a straight street. You know, down the arm until we get to the elbow intersection, and Sharp we're right. stopping there until the <laughs> the light changes, and then we're turning right and we're going down the street this way till we get to the wrist intersection. So. No, it's more like we're we're like the the Tour de France flowing through those streets, like they've blocked them off, so that those cyclists can flow through the shape of the town. You know, like yeah. uh, so. So there's like you. We have to teach people how to see the most basic curves first in the body, and then what happens is. Be, the, because there's not just one curve, it's not just the axial skeleton, it's not just the spinal column, it's, it's not even just the arms and the legs, it's like there's a whole system of curves in any natural form, and those need to, we need to like develop the ability to see those. And as we learn that, I think what happens is that we, we, we begin to flow, the process of drawing begins to absorb that subject. Another thing that Ted used to say was that the mind is kind of a mirror. Um, whatever appears in the mind then becomes part of the mind. So if I'm thinking something, then whatever that thing is that I'm thinking, that's part of my mind now. It's like something I have in there. Well, if I'm thinking everything is flat and everything is straight and everything is like, uh, like, like, you know, locked in a locker and it's all nice and boxed then that's what I'm going to see and that's the way my mind is going to be but if if I'm thinking I heard about this thing called a curve and I'm really supposed to be looking for it and I'm really like I've got this idea that there's a curve here and I'm really looking for it then we're going to start to see it and gradually it will that datum will become a significant element in our perceptual process and then we'll be seeing and experiencing the curve, understanding it and feeling it and elaborating it. And the elaboration of the curve is endless. You know, mm. it's, it can go into every, every brushstroke. It's like when, I feel like when I look at a blow-up of a Rembrandt painting, I'm seeing that curve in every brushstroke practically down to the level of like the pores. Because mm -hmm. you know when he was a young painter, he painted lots of little yeah. brush strokes yeah. and those things are like schools of fish like flowing across the form in all these different directions it's really incredible wow and yeah it's like it's beautiful and uh so he he i think really took the took that um concept um and uh took it up to a very high level in the way he modeled his uh his um you know the the form of the body. Mm -hmm. What was the, the transition from taking that 
in the drawing process in the seeing and then starting to translate it into paint and color and you know color meaning hue you know the the chroma the hue right, the, right. the value yeah so the poster because there's a flow in value there's a flow in hue hue and there's a flow in chroma there's totally and how do you like juggle those mm-hmm. and make sense of it <laughs> light is emitted in color it's not like the world is projected in black and white and then it's kind of colored in you know like we wake up in the morning and if we look really quick it's still in the black and white face <laughs> and, then, and then the color comes in you know and that's just like a veil on top so our visual experience is color and light um and it's light is a shining energy it's it's a it's a glowing um uh radiant so an immaterial for all you know for our purposes it has no weight uh, uh, and so it's the counterpart of form which is substance and which is solid uh, or and a kind of material um and it's like the perfect counterpart because of its kind of its pure energy um and it is shaped, light is shaped, is, is kind of patterned by its interaction with form. And so it witnesses to the structure of form um, and reveals all form and all structure without losing its essential, uh, its, its uh, kind of pure energetic radiance. Um, that's that's the job of painting <laughs> is but like i think of it as kind of like taking like michelangelo level drawing and adding it to a, like a very clear beautiful sense of like just perfectly fresh perfectly clear sense of light and color mm-hmm. that's that to me that's kind of what the painting challenges oh that's all yeah (laughs) and it's easy to fall away from that in all kinds of directions right our form can get kind of stiff our colors can get kind of flat or you know our sense of light may not be going on you know like it's like a um and it's it it is certainly a a very uh highly complex process to integrate those skills at the highest level I think that color is never arbitrary. Yeah. And um, that uh, there's no color system in the, in the kind of the, in that like preconceived systemic way of thinking about things that, um, that, uh, um, like we can have an organization of color. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Color can, uh, color is like very, very highly organized. Organized. Again, it's it's a function of light, and light is physically. I mean, it's like mathematically perfect and pure, right? It, it uh, physicists are you know are studying it and have been for all these centuries, and and it continues to be uh, kind of a paradigm of of uh, like the like at the root of the order of the universe and and of all orderly things. Um, like right into the structure of the atom and as vast as the entire creation. It's amazing how small light is 
fills up this the electromagnetic space too when you look at the scale of the electromagnetic space light is like pretty small like compared to like x-rays like and all these the, other the visible spectrum right? it's just like a little spectrum. piece of it right and and uh, so the given that you know light always comes from a source or sources and so it'll have a certain kind of like um spectrum um uh, you know, there there will be. It's not perfectly white, ever. Let's let's mm-hmm. say it's always got you know like a. It it's, it'll have a it'll have a a little more of a blue balance to it, or it'll have a little bit more of this, or a little bit more of that. So every light source has its own color. It's like theoretical white. It yeah, doesn't really exist. Doesn't really <laughs> exist. And then so your your light will always have some kind of like. Um contribution to the way you perceive the colors of the things and objects and forms that are in that space. Mm-hmm. And it will unify your perception of all those things and objects and forms in that space. So you won't, you'll never have, like in, like every once in a while, something will catch my eye. It'll be like, let's say, a little bit of sunlight is coming through a crack in the window and is shining on some little thing in the room. And I, and I walk into the room and I say, something is wrong here. There's something that's not part of like the light situation of the rest of the room. It'll be like, oh, oh, it's that thing right there. Or, and and it, it's, you know, there's such a perfect harmony to the expression of color um, in any visual environment because of this, this kind of like mathematical perfection of light itself. So in the poster, what we're studying is that uh, perfect balance. The poster of study of a, like poster. a color study of a, a. Right. Yeah, the poster study or color. Yeah, like the, the post, the word poster means that, that perfect harmony of, of tonality within the visual field. That's the definition of yeah. of post. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. you heard it here first. Like, that's a donation <laughs> podcast. I'm just kind of giving that one to you, but it's like a, it Put basically means it's the it's the um, since light is never randomly active. Um, every like I'm looking at those honey bears over there, right be- behind me, yeah. and uh, um, and um, there's no color in those honey bears that shouldn't be there. You know, it's it's exactly the right color for those honey bears yeah. to be, <laughs> and there's not a pixel out of place. Um, and uh, it's a. Uh, um, what if I put a fill light or like a gel? There'd be a second. There'd be a second light second source. Second light source. Yeah. So I mean, we can play with the light, but light the 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 um, it's like mathematically perfect it's all perfect, the time. Yeah. Our ability to record that will always have a certain error factor. So we'll be introducing a certain amount of like, um, like uh, non, like not perfect. We, we won't, we, we won't be acquiring the organization of the light yeah. to the degree that light has uh, anywhere close. But in that we're we're attempting to, we're we're basically downloading that order into our psyche. Almost practically into our soul, like our fil- our filter, our filtration system, <laughs> to get it back out. We're we're we are imprinting in the in our work with the poster. We're imprinting that like perfect harmony of the light within our consciousness 
to the degree that we can and and acquiring that as an as a kind of like a function or attribute of our consciousness at least while we're doing that so we we are kind of assimilating we are being assimilated to that harmony as we seek to achieve that harmony i think that's why art is what it is that it's it's basically this this kind of art at any rate is a um is a, a kind of a um um kind of an assimilation in, uh, to the harmony of nature and that is in the poster meaning that kind of the kind of the generality of the light in the way that it works and in all the forms in space in every single thing that exists so that you know even, you know in a in a room with um, microphones and uh, <laughs> uh, electrical equipment and other things everything here is here just precisely in the way it's supposed to be the dimensions of everything the the effect of gravity on everything the the kind of the flexibility of all of these wires and cords everything is 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 you know inherently um kind of perfect mm. in the kind of created st in creation or nature or whatever we want to call it um so the painting um, in painting, what we're trying to do is is download these kind of different dimensions of that perfection into our painting. You could think of it just in terms of the drawing side and the poster side, but the the you know light poster drawing form structure. There's actually there are actually a lot of different things that we're 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 kind of pulling in um, to the finished painting, the purpose of which is to is to is to kind of function almost like like mm, the way like a, a nice car engine works. You know? <laughs> like, all the parts humming together, mm, you know, everything tappy 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 tappy. All the like, uh, yeah, well, um, yeah. So the, the like that that kind of right regulation of the engine of. Uh, of being, which is in the pers that we're perceiving, is what we're trying to bring into our paintings, and then, in insofar as we do assimilate that, then we are, you know, we absorb that. It's very, very good for us, I think, um, as that 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 we we're kind of like chefs. We're the first consumers, so to speak, of our own paintings. We we taste them all the time. <laughs> eh, this needs a little bit more cadmium, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but, more uh, lead. <laughs> so we, you know, we absorb that uh, to the degree that we can that harmony as we are uh, kind of actuating it in our work, and and then we're also putting it out into the world as our contribution to to society mm -hmm. to the community. Um, and um, and our goal is is that um, is basically like the angel in the Virgin of the Rocks of you know like Leonardo. It's just like the highest beauty. We're we're always trying to, for that you know in everything that we do, and and uh, that's what we are always you know reaching for you know. And I think that that tends to purify our work and, and you know to the degree that you know that it can and that we um, um, and that we. It, it guides us in our work too, you know. Did you ever um, 
consider or think about writing more books? Um, I know you're, I love your, your drawing books, but did you ever think about a book on painting or another drawing book or is there or maybe on art or on art the the philosophy philosophy of it or something I have thought about that (laughs) (laughs) coming to your first (laughs) I think I think that a book on painting is is um, it's a little bit like Alexander the Great wanting to conquer the world I mean (laughs) doing a book on drawing is, is like here's a little here's here's a well, drawing is a vast yeah. thing, and and um, uh, I just scratched the surface of a small part of that territory. But somehow or other, a book on painting seems to be like um, is just a, like m- many more dimensions of uh, um, information, and and um, yeah. So I've thought about it for years. But Do you I, think it's needed? I I think every I think I have felt a need for it, and I've been asked by many students if I could recommend a book on painting, and um, and there are some you know many good books out there on painting, of course, and uh, um, um, but there's I haven't come across one that really you know kind of is about painting as we studied it with Ted mm-hmm. exactly I wish I even wish. his books well his books aren't like he did one on drawing and then he did, did light for the artist we right. called it the painting book but it because all the illustrations are in color right and and it incorporates color as part of light but it's not about painting mm-hmm. and then there's his dictionary if you inform so he never really did a book on painting strictly uh-huh. speaking and um and as I was reading the introduction to his book on uh, on structure and the dictionary of uh, of human form, um, he even said, writing the introduction in the introduction, he said, "What this book is not about." <laughs> and he said, "This is not a book on painting." Right. And that got me to thinking, and I realized, you know, I never have seen a book on painting exactly. That is what we are doing right. um, in this way. Of course, I'm not very well read. And, uh, um, I mean, there's lots and lots of books out there, and I'm sure there, there probably are bookshelves of books that are really good on but painting. But probably not but talking I, about the ideas that you talk about when you're teaching a painting workshop or teaching your students. Mm, probably not. Yeah. And you have a very unique voice. I mean, one thing that I've always, um, uh, every workshop I've ever taken with you uh, come away with, you just have a, um, almost like a, a zen-like, you sit down in front of the model, and when I come in to study, it, it feels like when you sit down to look at the thing, you're like, okay, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> Not, not, but like this is a lifelong pursuit. It's not, you're not going to learn it in a week. You're not going to, you might learn some things in a week, but you're not, and you know, you bite off a little bit here and a little bit there, but it's, it's, it's this long view and this shifting back and forth between the biggest possible ideas and then the smallest possible ideas. And it's, you, I mean, I, you know, we're in an environment here at the Grand Central Atelier and, I, you know, around the students and I'm drawing and I'm demoing and I'm stressed out that it's not looking good and it's, you know, and that seems to all kind of wash away with your approach, the way that you think about working from the model. It's, it always feels to me when I'm watching you work or hearing you talk about work that 
there's just this deep appreciation for just the gift of getting to do this and such a deep love for drawing and for painting that what you wouldn't possibly want to be anywhere else in the universe like this is it you you're here settle in and enjoy it enjoy every brushstroke enjoy every mark you make on the page well i think that's a pretty good <laughs> pretty good idea pretty good program yeah. i'll sign on for that <laughs> yeah i was about to say well that's why i do sign on for every workshop you teach so yeah the the uh, um the the kind of the constellation of the teachings of that we got when we were studying with Ted and so far as we got them I think or you know Ted's his what he was teaching us is in itself a kind of a a beautifully balanced uh, like in a kind of a beautiful thing in itself and one of its attributes is um uh, that it it kind of holds a certain kind of space of contemplation and um, because it's directed at the uh, kind of the harmony and uh, uh, kind of integrity, clarity, brilliance of the um, of the visual field and of nature, then those attributes um, are communicated through it to us as we practice it and um, um, and also uh, or as we practice them and uh, um, and they seem to r- kind of ripple out in the studio when there's a, you know a class um, uh, they they become kind of like an atmosphere part of the atmosphere of the uh, the kind of the study experience itself um, and I, I think everybody feels a, a kind of a benefit from that, um, and uh, it's almost like a a, f- a response, you know, that one notices that hmm, I feel particularly good today, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and it seems like everybody in the studio is feeling pretty good too. Um, so I think that that's a that that um, the work is. Um, uh, its its purposes, or one of its, you know, it's 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 something we're doing f- for the sake of our uh, um, well-being and everybody. You know, uh, it's a kind of a good thing to do, and it seems to have a beneficial effect <laughs> on uh, on uh, in all directions. And um, and so the I I think that that's uh, that that stems from the nature of the teaching that we got mm-hmm. that it's a it's a like a highly uh, um, it's a very beautiful uh, 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 philosophy of painting and um, and one that uh, feels as if it's an expression of the art of painting itself from you know, time immemorial, basically. And that's why I think we all, all of us who were had the opportunity to, to study with Ted, were so, were, were so, felt so fortunate. And then we're just so happy to be sharing it. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, 
kind of connecting connecting to him through it so I, I, uh, you know so that we 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 feel a continuing um, connection with him yeah mm-hmm. well thank you so much for I mean that I've always wanted to thank you for that because I, I got all of those ideas through you and they've been so inspiring to me that I've decided to you know, butcher them for <laughs> classes full of people. But I, I really am deeply appreciative of, of your just generosity and sharing all these ideas. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah and thank you for and, and talking about TED, too, as well, um, you know, and, and putting that out there in, in, in this, you know, in the world for people to maybe who might not have heard of TED to start maybe researching and see if he, they would... Uh, maybe find some tidbits of, of information and inspiration in that too. His books are great. You know, yeah. there's the Drawing with an Open Mind, Light for an Art Light for the Artist and uh, the uh, Dictionary of Human Form. And they're all they're all really, really yeah. packed with good stuff. And then we have and your book, which I, I love. I think it's a great drawing book and it's a really good uh Me too. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't even say introduction, but like a little, um, you know, it, it was when I first saw it, it was very different than a lot of other drawing books I was looking at, and and um, I thought that's really fun. So I think that's a book that a, a lot of people should um, put into their collection if they're if that's something they're interested in. And um, where can where can people find you? You're in Santa Fe, right? We we have uh, our uh, we live in uh, Santa Fe. Um, Celeste and I, and we have a little school there called the Writer Studio, and uh, our website is thewriterstudio.com. <laughs> There's like an Instagram. You have an Instagram account too. I think I've seen. You that. know, I think we do have an Instagram account, <laughs> and I think we do have a Facebook account. That's and, what all the kids um, are using these days. And uh, I'm sure that those are good, and um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, they will get. The, the right, the right uh, yeah. awareness will be guiding them uh, so that so that they get out there too. And yeah. people can come and study with you in Santa Fe yes, if they yes, wanted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and yeah, also, I know it also takes sometimes. Sometimes it takes a while for us to get these out. But I know we've already talked to you about um, doing a couple of workshops or something here at the Grand Central Atelier in New York. Glad to do that. And I think that would be something really exciting for a lot of people, and highly recommended to come and and sort of have the opportunity, if possible, to come and uh, spend a little bit of time. Pretty sure I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> drawing with you because it is really fun. You know. Well, outside I'm, fun and you know inspirational stuff and to be in the in in a room doing that and thank you for drawing with uh with us today it was so much fun just to to see you working and and see you working so i'm like trying to teach but looking across <laughs> on the other side of the curtains he'd be like what's like funny? losing his train of thought yeah. every two words so you want to Mm, or being embarrassed uh, about saying something and be like, I think Ted can hear I mean, Ted, I think uh, Tony can hear me. To, Tony can hear me right now. And he's probably like, what is he talking and about? Everything I heard and, and have seen <laughs> since I've been here today has been spectacular. I, I tried just, to give I, telepathic uh, critiques so that I wouldn't have to see him. <laughs> no, I was really, really glad to sit in on the class and, and uh, absorb the teaching and, and hear, you know, hear, um, hear you teach. And and uh, um, admire the work of the students and your work very much. And, um, and yeah, the the what you're all doing here is uh, 
is top notch. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, really, really great. And and so uh, um, it it's very heartening for me uh, to see what uh, you're accomplishing here. And well, honestly, I think a lot of um, the the, the um, you know a little bit of there, there's a lot of you in in. in in the walls here because I think a lot of what we're teaching comes from you and you know obviously Jacob and you and through that to Ted Seth Jacob so yeah yeah well I am so grateful uh, for that I really am I'm I'm very very grateful for to see that uh, well to just to to see how well the students are doing the 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 kind of going forward of the of these really beautiful teachings and and the uh, dynamic, uh, lively, creative <laughs> painting and drawing and uh, work that's going on here. It's really, really, really good. <laughs> uh, I want to congratulate you and Jacob and all the students here for for what we've seen today. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Well, well and also thank you for joining it. us on the podcast, for coming all the way into Long Island City and... I know you got a uh, slumber party to go to. <laughs> well, I appreciate the invitation very much. I would love to draw with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> for a week or two. It'd just be a whole. Lot of I'll end it right there. We thanks love so to much. draw. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you both for right. coming. And in. thanks for so listening. Much. That was really great. And uh, we'll see you all very soon. Oh, okay. Great. Bye bye. Cheers. Super fun. Oh.